Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Once again, epiphany means to shine forth, and Jesus certainly shined in all his glory as the true Son of God. People would see Jesus alive. They would see him walk and talk and eat and sleep. Uh, And yet, what they needed to understand was he is the true Son of God, fully God and fully man in one person. Without this, we have no Savior, but because he is fully God and fully man in one person, he becomes our only Savior. So to him be the glory as we join together celebrating that the Lord Jesus is our Epiphany Lord. Our first lesson for this third Sunday after Epiphany is found recorded in the book of Jonah, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, just as the word of the Lord had commanded. Now Nineveh was a great city to God. It required a three-day walk. Jonah walked through the city for a day, and he called out, Forty more days, and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. The men of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. When God saw their actions that they had turned from their evil way, God relented from the disaster which he said he would bring on them, and he did not carry it out. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, beginning at the 14th verse. For the love of Christ compels us, because we came to this conclusion, one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died in their place and was raised again. As a result, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we knew Christ according to the flesh. We no longer know him that way. So then, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, inasmuch as God is making an appeal through us. We urge you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, beginning at the 14th verse. After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. The time is fulfilled, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. 
repent and believe in the gospel. As Jesus was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, since they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat mending the nets. Immediately Jesus called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is our Gospel reading from Mark chapter 1 beginning at the 14th verse. I open with these words from our text. Jesus said to them, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, and once again, heirs of everlasting life, are you not tempted at times to think that perhaps God owes you a good life, or at least a good life to the kind of life that you think you should deserve and have? I've been a good Christian, I say my prayers, I go to church, I try to be kind, I try to be honest, I try to obey the commandments, and I just keep trying. And shouldn't I expect God to bless me and, and to grant me success and happiness as I see it? Don't I deserve that? Many even teach that and preach that. That if you follow the Bible and, and do everything perfect according to the Bible, then you too can expect God's blessings and also God blessing you. And blessing you because you deserve it. Well, the truth is, that's not the truth. The truth is, we deserve absolutely nothing from the Lord. The Lord did not call us to try harder. The Lord God Almighty demanded perfection. If you've even broken one of his laws, you have sinned. And if you've sinned, then you are a sinner. You've broken all of God's laws. And as sinful human beings who not only inherited a sinful nature, but actually commit sins, we deserve nothing from our Lord except his wrath and condemnation, even the punishment of eternal life in hell, being separated from God forever. That's what we actually deserve. But here's the good news. In fact, it's the greatest news of all. The good news is, is that in spite of our sins, God's mercy is greater. That undeserved love of God, that loving the unlovable, that love that God has for us, didn't just say, I love you, but did something about it. The good news is, it was God himself, the very Son of God, who took on human flesh. The good news is, since we cannot save ourselves, it was God who came and saved us. The good news is, he paid the debt to sin. He suffered hell in our behalf so that we would not deserve and receive the punishment that we have earned. The good news is that our Lord, who paid for those sins on the cross, rose again. 
The good news is, is because he lives, we too shall live. The good news is that this Lord Jesus is our epiphany Lord. The Son of Man who gave us life as an atoning sacrifice for the Son, for the sins of the world, is also the Son of God who paid for the sins of the world. That payment is for all and for all times. In fact, that payment is once and for all. This is the good news that through faith in Jesus, we are saved. Now we're told that Jesus was going around preaching and teaching the gospel, and I have no doubt in my mind that some of the things that I mentioned as good news, that was exactly what Jesus was preaching and teaching. He was now taking his ministry up to Galilee. And when Jesus goes up to Galilee, Keep in mind, this wasn't just Jesus getting away. This wasn't a camping trip and maybe I'll go to the Sea of Galilee and get some fishing in. Everything that Jesus is, is doing is calculated. Everything he's doing is according to a plan. And the plan at this time is he goes up to Galilee and he'll spend a good chunk of his ministry up in Galilee. When our Lord goes up there, he is now going to call disciples. He meets with Simon and Andrew as well as James and John. They were the sons of Zebedee. Now, Jesus going and calling them to be disciples, keep in mind, technically they were already disciples. It was Andrew and, and John who actually were disciples of John the Baptist. And, and when John the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, they immediately followed Jesus. Andrew went and got his brother Simon, also called Peter, and no doubt John would eventually get his brother James. These four are actually going to be made up of, in the list of apostles, as always the top four, Simon, Andrew, and James and John. Since they were already disciples, that Jesus calling them to be disciples didn't mean that he was calling them to just already be who they were already are, but rather he was calling them now to be full-time disciples, to be these students, these learners. Eventually, he's going to be calling them apostles and giving and leaving everything behind, which they did at once. They would follow Jesus full-time. He would tell them to be fishers of men. In fact, he would say, I will make you fishers of men. And their occupation was fishermen. Now, the text that is before us, some believe that it's just a beautiful summary because in the Gospel of Luke, which also records this event, gives us far more details. Some also believe that the text before us may have been what happened in the morning, and therefore what happened in the Gospel of Luke is more of an afternoon. In other words, we hear here in our text that when Jesus came to call them to be fishers of men, it was Jesus all by himself, and they were casting out the nets. They were already fishing. In Luke, we're told that they were washing the nets and repairing them, and that they were already done with fishing. 
In fact, we're told that Jesus wasn't alone. There was a large crowd. The crowd became so great that Jesus actually got into a boat and was put out a little way so he could preach and teach. Following that, Jesus will tell Simon Peter, let's go out into the deep. And from there, they caught this miracle of fish, a large catch, to the point that the boat was starting to sink. When Peter witnessed this, he would say to the Lord, get away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And the Lord Jesus would call to Simon Peter, I will make you fishers of men. <coughs> so however you take whether Jesus said these words more than once in a day, the emphasis here is on the fact that they would be fishers of men. Full time, but also for the rest of their lives. There wasn't going to be a retirement plan. There wasn't going to be a plan where at the age of 65 you could collect your Social Security and then finally be done and enjoy life to the fullest because you put in your time and you worked hard in your life. When Jesus called them to be fishers of men, this is what they were going to do to the end of their days, to their very last breath. They would never stop being fishers of men. So when we hear the Lord Jesus, before he ascended into heaven, say to his disciples, go and make disciples. In other words, disciples, go make more of yourselves by baptizing and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This was not, comes with that retirement plan of thinking that one day I'll finally be finished and done. The very Lord who's called us to make disciples has called us to do this to our dying breath. This is who we are in Christ Jesus, who learn and grow in his holy word. And then in the light of all this, don't you find it interesting when the beginning part of this text opens with the words, after John was put in prison? John was put in prison because he had been preaching against King Herod, who had actually took his brother's wife as his own while his brother was still living. He was declaring that King Herod was breaking the Sixth Commandment and committing adultery. King Herod was sick and tired of John publicly condemning what he did. He had him thrown in prison and eventually, in a drunken stupor, will actually order to have his head removed from his body. Herod was a horrifying man and clearly an unbeliever. So when I hear these words, it reminds me that people come and go. Pastors come and go. Teachers come and go. Churches come and go. Church bodies come and go. We like to think that they'll be there till the end of time itself. But they come and go. But the one thing that doesn't come and go, the one thing that remains true, is the gospel. Even Jesus said that right up to the end of this world, when he comes on the last day with the, with the glorious angels, on that judgment day, the gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth. Even in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, we're told flowers fade and, 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 and grass withers, but the word of the Lord stands 
forever. It will never end. It will continue to be proclaimed. Therefore, it is a great honor and privilege to join in the long list of people who have come and gone, realizing that the world does not revolve around us. It revolves around the gospel and the preaching of the gospel. What a great privilege and honor it is to join even the believers of old in proclaiming that glorious gospel message, knowing that we too are fishers of men. Did you notice the words that were spoken right before Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men? Beautiful gospel invitation. He said, come, follow me. Later, he's going to be explaining what follow me means. He'll add the words, deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Deny the thinking that you can save yourself and, and, and that your salvation is based on you trying harder. No, deny yourself and trust in the Lord who paid for those sins and paid for them in full. Take up your cross. It's not the cross that Jesus bore when he paid for the sins of the world, but the cross we bear is being a missionary, being a fisher of men, and knowing that we can easily be persecuted because we proclaim the divine truth. Telling someone to pick up their cross is telling them in a beautiful way, persevere, don't quit. God didn't call you to give up. And follow me. Follow what he says. Who commanded us to teach everything that he has commanded. And of course, share that with everyone you meet. Fishers of men. They are going to be throwing out the most beautiful net that could ever be thrown out. It is the gospel. Jesus described the gospel in our text here with the words kingdom of God. And if you immediately think kingdom of God means heaven, you would be right. But it actually means even more than that. Remember, a kingdom is where a king rules. And Jesus not only rules from the glory of heaven and rules over the universe for the good of the church and for the saving of souls and all to his glory, but he also rules in our hearts by his holy word. Where Jesus rules, that's his kingdom. We are his kingdom. And along with that kingdom, he says, the time is fulfilled. That is a beautiful messianic phrase. Remember when Jesus was only 40 days old and, and Mary and Joseph went to the temple to, uh, to offer the sacrifices that were required? There was Simeon. There was Anna. They were waiting for the time to be fulfilled. So when Jesus says the time is fulfilled, he's announcing, I am the one. All those prophecies are fulfilled in me. I am that Savior. I'm the one you've been waiting for. The time is fulfilled. The king has come because the kingdom of God has come near. With his very presence, the kingdom of God was there. And the only way to reach the king 
is this beautiful gospel invitation to repent and believe the good news. At the seminary, we always spoke of the word repent in a narrow sense and in a wide sense. In a wide sense, repentance always, which literally, by the way, means change of mind. It always means sorrow over sin and faith in Christ and trusting in what he has done for us. And then in sort of thankful love that we live for the Lord, motivated and empowered by that good news which our faith clings to. But sometimes the word repent is used in the narrow sense, and anytime it's used in the narrow sense, there's always another set of words with it. So here, I would take the word repent as emphasizing the sorrow over sin, because right after it comes the words, and believe in the gospel. Once again, emphasizing that full meaning of repentance with a special emphasis on that faith in Jesus Christ. When God was telling people to repent, he wasn't just simply telling them to be sorry, and therefore God owes you forgiveness because you said you're sorry. No, he was calling them to believe, knowing that faith is a gift of God. It is ours through God's word, which faith clings to. It clings to the gospel. And we know that the Holy Spirit is the one calling us to that faith. My dear friends, what an honor and a privilege it is to be called by the Lord and to join Peter, Andrew, James, John in also being fishers of men, but also know too what a great privilege it is to share that gospel because this isn't just some good book. This isn't just some man-made teaching. This isn't just some guy who, who, who wrote a bestseller and, and now we should turn it into a movie. This is God's word. You're proclaiming God's word. God gave us his word to handle, not to abuse it and, and misuse it, and certainly not to add, subtract, or change it in any way, but to take that word to heart as we share it with others. In all honesty, is there really any greater privilege in all the world? It doesn't matter what work you do in this life. None of it compares to the ultimate Christian duty and the ultimate Christian responsibility that we have to be fishers of men. In Christ Jesus, that's who you are. Fishers of every man, woman, and child. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran, and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.